You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. If you hang up, I will kill you. What are you going to do about it? Open your fucking high window with your goddamn binoculars. I never said I had binoculars. I have a highly magnified telescopic image of you. Now, what kind of device has a telescopic sight mounted on it? What, you mean like a rifle? A 30 caliber bolt action 700 with a carbon one modification and a state-of-the-art hands-hold tactical scope. And it's staring straight at you. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you are listening, finally, to a new episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies, the ones you feel nostalgic about, you loved growing up, watching, and maybe you haven't seen them in a while. We watch those movies. We let you know, are they good objectively, or are you just blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watched 2003's uh, crime thriller, phone booth boy did we ever but before we get to phone booth brandon we might as well address the elephant in the room which is you got a haircut (laughs) yeah man it was getting a little shaggy uh jesus and also we haven't recorded an episode in like six months but i think it's been our longest hiatus i think that we might have broken the the streak with this one yeah, and we knew it was coming. So yeah, yeah, that, that's very true. That's very true. But um, we're back, baby. We're back. We've had a lot of loyal listeners write us in and complain. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for getting on our. I don't know if complain backs. is. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if complain's the right word, but just you know, just letting us know. Hey, I didn't know if you knew this, but your feed hasn't updated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've asked after us. I think is the more preferred term and we really do appreciate that so we are hoping to get back on it now life has settled a little bit we are fully vaccinated if you are not vaccinated uh don't listen to our show (laughs) (laughs) bold claims right at the start wow (laughs) immediately alienating some portion of the audience yeah well you know if you Uh, do if you plan on getting vaccinated you can keep listening in fact listen to our show while you're waiting to get vaccinated Sure, man. Your life is on the line. Uh, that's the tagline for the movie, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. Your life is on the line. Oh, my God. This movie is chock full of fucking phone references. Holy shit. I don't know if there's a movie that has been dated like such a short window of a time where it was relevant. It yeah. sucks. And this movie came out at the worst time, too. I mean, like my favorite line. I was going to save this until we got into it. But like the opening narration of it. It was my favorite thing I laughed instantly was, there are 8 million New Yorkers. Approximately 3 million of them have cell phones. I was like, Geez. <laughs> I was like, that's not a lot, man. If you do this, if you do yeah, this man, now, yeah, if you do this now, 8 million New Yorkers, 8 million cell phones. <laughs> Actually, yeah. probably closer yeah, to like, like 10, 10 million, million cell phones. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, yeah. These 2 million of people, <laughs> 2 million of those people have two cell phones. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, what a movie uh, to break our streak with, man. Uh, we're returning with mm. another, yet another Joel Schumacher joint. Joel Schumacher. He's, he's joining the NBD all-star team. I think this is our third film of him that we've covered on the show. Pretty sure the only other director featured that much on the show has been uh, Chris Columbus, who did uh, you know, the Home Alone movie, Mrs. Doubtfire, and one of the Harry Potters we covered. Yeah. Um, Joel Schumacher, of course, responsible for uh, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. Uh, the two Batman films we covered. I've already mentioned his uh, filmography a few times, so I won't go into that onto the show. Uh, suffice it to say, he's most known for films like uh, The Lost Boys, Falling Down, A Time to Kill, and uh, 8mm. You know, and there was a point where I probably would have been like rolling my eyes at how much Joel Schumacher is on this, but really, if you look beyond the Batman movies, 
pretty uh, pretty decent resume on him. Yeah, he's got a pretty decent filmography, honestly. And he, this movie here, man, it, it showcases a lot of kind of what I like and don't like about Joel Schumacher movies. Yeah. Um, because it, it's got that heightened sense of like, uh, the do- the downtrodden white man, like falling down yeah. type of deal, mixed with like the grunge of eight millimeter, where every other word is fuck, and I mean Colin Farrell is screaming most of his dialogue in this. Yeah, and man, there are plot holes <laughs> to get through. <laughs> there, are, I don't know if holes is the right word. There are like plot valleys <laughs> that you can <laughs> yeah. jump into, chasms, yeah, craters. Yeah. And that, that may be because it's written by uh, Larry Cohen, who mm-hmm. was one of the more prolific writers of, like, schlocky 80s horror. He's responsible for the uh, It's Alive series and Maniac Cop. Um, however, he did dabble with a pair of high-concept, phone-based scripts in the early 2000s. Of course, this one. And then 2004's Cellular, uh, oh, which I, hope, I also hope to cover on this show someday, which one is day. basically the reverse phone booth, where instead of him being stuck in one location... Kim Basinger, who's on the other line, is stuck on one location, and Chris Evans is just, like, running around with his cell Trying phone. Trying to find her. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Look, phones were scary back in the early 2000s. <laughs> phones and computers, man. We were terrified. Yeah, they're taking over. You could just tell that, like, phones were starting to get really popular, and there were a couple filmmakers, and by a couple, I mean, like, two or three, who were, like, Mostly man. old guys who were kind of freaked out by Yeah, it. who were freaked out by him, who were like, oh, my God, there's so many good phone-based movies we could make. Well, speaking of that opening narration, at one point he's like, the people used to call us crazy for walking around talking to ourselves or whatever. Now it's a sign of status. And now it's like... We're walking around with little white it? fucking uh, you know, iPods in our ear and shit. And it's like, Jesus, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. How things have changed since yeah. 2003. Oh, man. I love period pieces. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this movie had been gestating for a while, I guess. Larry Cohen originally pitched the concept of the film that supposedly took place entirely within a phone booth to Alfred Hitchcock back in the 1960s. Hitchcock liked the idea, but he and Cohen were unable to figure out a sufficient plot reason for keeping the film confirmed to a booth. A booth rather. <laughs> and uh, hence, they just never made the idea into a film. It wasn't until, I guess, the late 90s where Cohen revisited the concept again when the idea of a sniper came to him. And now we got phone booth. I don't know why you couldn't have done that back with Alfred Hitchcock, but okay. Hitchcock just couldn't crack it. And honestly, yeah, I guess so. And honestly, you can't really find a good reason to keep him in the phone booth in this movie either, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Do you think maybe that's why the scene in The Birds exists with that woman fucking trapped in the phone booth? Trapped in a phone booth. That That was the reason. That's immediately what I've thought of when he mentioned it. Yeah, Yeah, the only thing he could think of to keep them stuck in a booth were- Fucking birds. (laughs) Birds, yeah, an army of birds. Birds. Birds, dude. <laughs> yeah. See, back in the '60s, we were afraid of birds. In the 2000s, it was phones. It was cell phones, and now it's uh, I don't know face masks. <laughs> <laughs> so, phone booth has a 7.0 on IMDb and a, a similar a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. Actually, not certified fresh, I believe, but it is a fresh-rated film. Only cost 13 million dollars to make. It earned 46 million in the U.S. and 97 million worldwide. It uh, ranked 65th that year on the U.S. box office charts, just behind Final Destination 2 and ahead of 28 Days Later. In uh, Mm. terms of the movies we've covered from that year, it's the lowest grossing, uh, earning less than Pirates of the Caribbean, 
Bruce Almighty, Bad Boys 2, Freddy vs. Jason, School of Rock, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, and Kangaroo Jack. Oh, God, of course. I wish we'd watch 28 Days Later, by the way. Yeah, I think that's a great movie. We could just cover it just, you know, for the hell of giving us something good to watch. Yeah, great movie. I would love to watch it again. Yeah, and this, what a year to be Colin Farrell, by the way. He's coming off the heels of Hearts War and Minority Report in 2002. Then in 2003, he's got Phone Booth, The Recruit, daredevil and swat all in one year this was when he like was in everything it was amazing yeah he dropped the irish accent and suddenly he's a fucking mainstream hollywood hunk me though i prefer irish accent colin farrell for sure give me in bruges colin farrell any day of the week yeah oh my god Uh, yeah so uh, oh what are you drinking a little twisted tea there no this is actually a sam adams summer ale uh no is it a little twisted tea probably the second basic bitch answer i guess after twisted yeah (laughs) yeah no this is sam adams summer (laughs) do you try the porch rocker yet dude no i'm drinking water Uh. (laughs) (laughs) doing the smart thing staying hydrated it's a hot day a hot i feel gross yeah well this is a point of contention, actually, the year of this movie's release. Technically, Phone Booth is considered a 2002 movie, if you look it up on IMDb. However, it actually never got a, a release theatrically until 2003, because uh, I guess it was pulled from release in 2002, its original release date, because of the DC sniper attacks in October. 20th Century Fox delayed it, pushed it to April 4th, 2003. Excellent timing by us. I think HBO's doing a DC sniper documentary with the DC sniper. Oh, Jesus. Which seems like a bad idea, but, you know. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. They're, like, doing phone interviews with him while he's sitting in jail. Jesus. I mean, speaking of bad ideas, know. Jim Carrey was cast and fitted for the suit in this movie. Got cold feet. Gave up the part last minute thinking the part just wasn't for him. Uh, a lot of people, again, uh, this was a, a hot commodity in Hollywood for a while, attracting some big names for the lead. Tom Cruise, Will Smith, Mel Gibson, Robin Williams, Anthony Hopkins, and Nicolas Cage, all interested at one point or another. So cast as the villain, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, his likeness is not uh, actually appeared in any of the trailers or the original posters. His face wasn't seen in the film's advertising until the film was actually released on DVD. Then his face is on the cover. (laughs) He's only in two minutes of the movie, his actual face, by the way. Two minutes seems long. That's true. It said two minutes, but actually after watching the movie, it's just that end scene. It's just that end scene. Yeah, and he's like fuzzy too. Like you can barely tell it's him. I love his fucking voice in this, man. We'll get into that, but wow. Oh, it's, Roger Jackson, yeah. I guess, who voice, voiced uh, Ghostface in the Scream movies, was actually the original choice for the caller. Um, and if you'll notice some of the reactions by some of the extras in the movie, a little bit different, and I actually tried paying attention to this, than your typical run-of-the-mill thriller, because I guess none of the actors were given instructions on what was going to happen, so they just reacted accordingly to whatever was actually happening. So, like, all of the the shots being fired and, and Colin Farrell just screaming obscenities, uh, all genuine reactions from a lot of the extras, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And for an 81-minute-long movie... The word fuck is said 143 times. That's, I mean, that's impressive. Give it another half hour runtime and we're talking freaking uh, Scorsese (laughs) with Wall Street. Speaking of impressive, the principal photography on the film completed in 10 days. I guess additional two days of establishing shots, pickups, reshoots, but pretty much 12 days to make this movie. What else did you need, you know? Yeah. 
And uh, lastly, a stage adaptation of the film does exist. It was performed in 2019 in Atlanta. Okay. And uh, the NPAA slapped it with an R rating for pervasive language and some violence. So, mm-hmm. and Zach, lastly, before we actually jump right in, what's your history with the movie? Had you seen Phone Booth before? Or? Yeah, I had. I, I didn't see it in theaters and didn't really give it much thought when it came out. Um, definitely saw it on syndication on HBO a few times. Yep. And always thought it was good at that point. I, I mean, you know, it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I kind of maybe tuned in, you know, 10 minutes late or something like that or was catching tidbits here and there. But every time I saw it, I was like, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Um and then it just kind of, you know, left my mind for several, several, several years. Yeah, I'll agree. I haven't thought about this movie in quite a bit. It's a movie that when, whenever I hear mentioned, it does kind of just perk my interest. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Phone booth. I've always yeah, kind of been, phone booth. Yeah, been yeah. kind of fond of that. It, it, it kind of fell into that uh, collateral um, movies like that, where there were kind of these hard edge thrillers I was getting into at that age, around probably 10 or 12 years old, uh, you know, watching something that's a little harder edged, but still not too much. There's not a lot of violence in this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so my, my, I was able to watch it with my dad and stuff, but, um, yeah, a movie again, I hadn't seen in a while. I was kind of looking forward to it, honestly, because of the runtime. And I remembered thinking Colin Farrell delivered a really good performance in this movie. And, um, <laughs> you know what? We'll talk about it, man. It's, it's, a, we'll it's an interesting it. performance. We'll, for we'll sure. talk about his performance and we'll talk about Forrest Whitaker's cause boy, do I have things to say about him. <laughs> Huh, all right, well, let's uh, jump right in. We start off like any good movie from 2002, or three, rather, in space. In space. <laughs> yep. With the worst CGI satellite you've ever seen. Oh, my God. We're zooming into satellites and then into Earth. Of course, all set to operate information. <laughs> yep. Pretty great, yep. And then we zoom into Manhattan, but Manhattan's actually a... Phone? <laughs> A right? phone? Yeah, because then you're all of a sudden inside a phone. And this is very reminiscent of that, like, very prevalent David Fincher, like, Fight Club Panic Room animation mm-hmm. inside technology that we were very obsessed with for these three or four years. But I like this. This is fun that we get right into New York City. And, I mean, right off the bat, this is a hyper-stylized, frenzied movie, never stopping for uh, to take a breath. It is a Joel Schumacher joint. <laughs> yeah, and it's 81 minutes. They don't waste a fucking one of them. It's just right into the action. There's a lot going on. Just a sensory overload right from the top. Just the busy New York streets. These people, they're walking here. They're walking here. Taxi, pizza. They do not have time to stop. They are too busy breakdancing on the streets and talking on their phones, Brandon. Yeah, I like this opening narration. I, I don't, was this the Allstate guy? Is this Andre Andre Brower? I didn't. I couldn't find out who this was. I tried googling it later because it was, it was a recognizable voice, but not so recognizable that I could determine who actually said these Hold words. On, I can figure it out. I know who it is. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Very. But sure this I opening. Know who it is. It's just a bunch of statistics all about telecommunications in New York City about how, yeah, 8 million New Yorkers, 3 million have cell phones. and um, But guess what, Zach? Guess what's also in circulation? A fucking shit ton of payphones. We still got a lot of payphones. They're still in use. A lot of people still use them here in 2003. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. But, Brandon, they're, they're going away for sure. In fact, Verizon is getting ready to get rid of one of them. Keith David, by the way. I was pretty sure it was Keith David who did that Ooh, narration okay. at the beginning. Okay. It sounded right, yep. like him. I can't confirm it, but that's who I thought it was. And uh, 
this very specific one located at 53rd and 8th, the last booth of its type, 300 calls here a day. And yeah, Verizon's tearing it down tomorrow to replace it with some sort of kiosk. 8 a.m., we're about to meet the last user of said phone booth. Ha! Huh. We meet the ultimate 2000s fucking sleazeball, uh, Stuart <laughs> Shepard. He's in public relations. Yeah, he's an arrogant New York City publicist, a narcissist. We're introduced to him. He's walking and talking, wheeling and dealing. Yeah, he's making all sorts of phone calls. None of them matter. Although, Brandon, what was with this rapper at the <laughs> beginning? What the fuck was that? Dude, that's it's Ben Foster. I know, but that's Ben Foster from like Hell or High Water and Alpha Dog, like an amazing actor. He's in this movie for, I, I didn't know this. I guess he's uncredited, but yeah, he's basically playing fucking Jamie Kennedy in Malibu's Most Wanted. It's like, yeah. what is happening? Yeah, that he's is, one of his clients. I couldn't believe that was Ben Foster, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it, blew, it blew my mind. I was like, whoa. And he's saying the weirdest shit, too. <laughs> what is voodoo on you do motherfucker or something yeah, like that yeah he's basically was like, he was what? doing like seth green from can't hardly wait yeah it was so stupid <laughs> like and and i it must have been a little bit of comic it's the only funny thing to happen in this movie if you can consider that funny it's so fast-paced that they don't even really bother with cutaways most of the other action that's not centered around stewart himself is just a fucking picture in picture like over the like they're not wasting any time there's basically just chirons running through half this movie i think maybe there's only like three shots in this entire movie that aren't like on the street there's one where they're racing into the apartment building at the end there's one when we see katie holmes in the restaurant and then another one where we see his wife, but even those convert into picture in picture at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Again, it's it's just all kind of setting up this style and also just really getting you not endeared to this character because you don't like him right off the mm -hmm. bat. He's just a chode. Very, he's asshole to every person he's meeting or just so yeah. blatantly fake to all the acquaintances, the cops, the clients, everyone he's meeting. Um, but yeah, you're with this guy from moment one, literally the entire 81 minute runtime. You're just with mm. Stuart, Stuart Shepard, and uh, his raspberry sorbet suit he's got rocking here. At nine minutes in, he gets into the phone booth. And that's where we'll stay for the rest of the movie. He removes his wedding ring. And at that point, he picks up the phone. He's about to make a call. A pizza guy knocks on uh, the door trying to deliver a pizza. He says it's for the gentleman occupying the phone booth. Stu, being the asshole he is, extremely rude to him, tells him off. Um, and he calls Pam. Pamela McFadden. <laughs> Katie Holmes, seemingly it's just a crush, right out, you know, off the top, we're not entirely sure. Obviously, he took the wedding ring off, so we know he's married, uh, but we don't quite know the situation. Either way, he's trying to get her to go out tonight. She can't go out tonight, so he hangs up kind of dismissively, and then the phone rings again. We hear the most amazing voice over. Uh, it's Kiefer Sutherland, and his voice, because, again, all of the real diegetic sound in the movie is you know in new york city streets so everything's kind of hustling and bustling there's car horns there's all kinds of shit yeah. his voice though is so crystal clear that it like immediately makes you kind of like perk up when when you first hear it like oh shit very crisp he is doing his most keithers Kiefer Sutherland in this. Exactly. It sounds great. And I honestly, he sounds a lot like Scar, like Jeremy Irons' Scar in this performance here. Yeah. It could, this could have been Jeremy Irons too, by the way. Very easily, I, there, yeah. This could have been any number of very menacing voice actors. 
I and I feel like if you wanted to save a buck or two, you probably could have done that. But but you get what you, you know, what you pay for yeah. here with with Keith yeah. Sutherland, oh, yeah. One hundred percent. He is good at reading. Yeah, and of course, you know Joel Schumacher really knows how to you know get a great darker performance out of him with him being the lead in uh, Lost Boys and shit. So it's good to see him back. But yeah, yeah, his yeah, opening here, you know, a ringing phone has to be answered, doesn't it? Uh, I guess. I mean, I guess. But I, again, we'll start right here. Do you do you carry on this conversation after the first few lines of dialogue with this guy? No, nope, I've yeah. I've hung up. <laughs> Actually, exactly. you know what? If I'm being honest, too, I probably don't even pick up the phone. Definitely not. A ringing phone doesn't have to be answered. Here, yeah, nope. Newsflash. Especially I'm not, not in this like very seedy section of New York City. <laughs> I'm just going to go home. I would I would never pick up a ringing phone at a fucking abandoned phone booth or a phone booth that I'm not. No, I just wouldn't do it. I mean, I guess no. you've just hung up, so maybe you're under the impression it could possibly be that person calling you back. But I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I probably don't pick up the phone. If I'm being honest. And yeah, I don't know why he carries on this conversation. Even if I don't pick up the phone, I'm probably picking up after, or I'm probably hanging up after maybe the third sentence. Yeah, because he, I mean, is immediately pretty sinister, you know, threatens him like not to leave the phone booth. You're not going to leave there. He basically knows everything uh, there is to know about Stu, his address, his wife's name, the girl he was just talking to's name. He knows that that girl is not his wife. So clearly this guy knows more than he should. And it's not just a, a fucking prank call. <laughs> right. Uh, he does claim, however, to be an actor at first, like one of Stu's previous failed prospects. And that's when he threatens to tell Kelly, his wife, about Pam. That's Kitty Holmes. Uh, his wife, Kelly, that's played by Rada Mitchell from like Silent Hill and stuff. So he calls Pam. He tells her that Stu is lying. Stu can hear all of this, but he can't actually say anything. Uh, or or uh, Pam can't hear him. So he tells Pam that, you know, he's been having a, uh, he's got a wife the whole time. You're basically his side chick. Hangs up. Starts his little maniacal laughter and all this shit. And then basically reveals he's not an actor. He has no use for him. He's just fucking with him. Um, and he wants Stu to tell his wife about Pam. He also goes on to, doesn't, is this when he explains that this isn't the first time he's done this to somebody? Yeah, it's right around here. Because, well, at this point, there's also this prostitute who's been banging on the side of the phone booth this mm -hmm. whole time, sort of increasing the tension and the stress to the situation where she needs it for business, dude. She's got to call her clients. This She better figure something out because Verizon's tearing this down tomorrow. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude, when she, she slams her hand against the door and then she's like, oh, you done made me hurt my dick hand. <laughs> that was the best line in the movie. Yeah, that might have um, been a second chuckle. It was, sure. it was, yeah, no fart jokes, by the way, in this. No poop uh, jokes. Yep, yep. And no. I thought I was sure we were going to get one at the very end of the classic, you know, crime thriller ends with protagonist and ambulance yeah, shot. Pooping in an ambulance. Didn't come. No, didn't happen. <laughs> um, so bad movie. Um, I give it a zero out of 100. But yeah, so apparently this guy has been doing this before, too, because he tells him, hey, did do you have you been watching the news? Did you hear about these two other guys who were shot in the middle of the street? One of them turns out to be some German art photographer, and he turned out to be a pedophile. The other guy um, benefited from insider trading and, you know, stole a whole bunch of money from people. And this is where I get <laughs> so pissed off at this. And, like, you, if you peruse some of the reviews in Rotten Tomatoes, um, 
it, everybody agrees. Why, like, it, they even mentioned this in the movie. He bring Colin Farrell brings this up in the movie, which makes me even more upset. Is okay. He's he's clearly got a vendetta against bad people. You know, one's a pedophile, one's a thief. Colin Farrell is just an asshole who's like not really even cheating on his wife. <laughs> he like. <laughs> The ultimate reveal that he's he still hasn't actually had sex with this woman and he's just been yeah, like he's just flirting, been flirting with, with her and been like, inviting Whoa. her out to drinks. Like again, he's an asshole and you shouldn't like him yeah. as a character. But like he like why this guy out of the eight million people in New York City? Why is this guy <laughs> picked out of everybody? <laughs> yeah. He's got a rifle pointed at him right now, and uh, he shoots the little toy robot on the street to prove he's not fucking around. And at this point, several prostitutes are starting to gather. Their pimp is also threatening him. If he doesn't get out of the booth, booth, uh, shit's going to start going down. So it's at this point where we finally prove that like the guy's not this is happening. Th- th- yeah. There's some real danger to this situation. The pimp like smashes through the booth. <laughs> puts Colin Farrell in like a headlock and Kiefer Southern keeps asking like, hey, I can stop this right now, but if you get out of that booth, I'm going to kill Kelly or Pam. Like, you have the decision to make essentially like, do you want me to kill this guy? He says yes, and he does. He shoots him from there. Um, and I guess he's it, it's we're under the pretense that he's so far away that we'll never hear the actual sound of the he's gun. He's got a silencer um, and he's super far away. He and... does have a silencer. Yep, yep. And so, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go along with the conceit. It's fine. And But yeah, the guy gets shot, falls dead, and everyone seems to think, like, he just did this. Like, where's your gun? Show Didn't your hear gun, a gunshot anywhere, though. Like, <laughs> he's got a Glock. I saw it. And it's like, well, you didn't. Um, and you didn't hear a noise either. So, like, yeah, what? Spe- I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of noises, his whole Kiefer, Suther- uh, Kiefer Sutherland's, like, diatribe about cocking the gun and why, like, the bad guy in the movie... You know, why he doesn't cock the gun beforehand. He, he surely could have, but that sound is scary, isn't it? Dude, he cocks that gun at least six or seven times, and he shoots maybe mm-hmm. twice. <laughs> and so twice. he's ejecting ammo yeah, at that there's point. There's only yeah. three, there's three, there's three shots. We won't give away the third one, but the first two are already, have already happened. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so funny. Every single time he's like, shh, shh. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's four shots because he does shoot Colin Farrell's ear. ear That's right. Yep. Shoots him right in the ear. Mm -hmm. Fuck. Fuck. And is is he so good at doing this because he's uh, a a Vietnam soldier, like returning from the war? Because that's a whole other. He's doing like the Joker. I have several backstories. Just pick one. Oh, wait, they're all bullshit. Yeah, they're all bullshit. They're not real. Like, yeah. And also like he's also doing sort of a jigsaw motive before jigsaw where he's 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 punishing people whom he just seems to be worthy of punishment i guess i was describing this movie and said exactly that that it's like a very less scary saw movie yeah yeah it's just a high concept saw movie i guess without the without the torture porn yep which i'm okay with sure but he basically you know, claims that Stu is guilty of inhumanity to your fellow man. That's basically why he's going <laughs> to maybe kill him. Uh, cops have started to converge. News crews are arriving. We meet New York police detective captain Ed Ramey, played by the incomparable Forrest Whitaker. Who I'm pretty sure they like pulled him off the streets and were like, do you want to be in this movie, Forrest? And he's like, yeah, okay, what are my lines? Yeah, what is it, Cause... six days of shooting? I'm there. Man, he like stumbled over like a 
bunch of lines and he's not very good in this movie yeah and it's not again i feel like he's a great actor and he can sell really anything it's just the fact Mm -hmm. that his character has to keep telling colin farrell that he got divorced from his wife and he's taking he's he's seeing a psychiatrist (laughs) for sure a victim of bad dialogue but even on some of the some of the lines that he did have that were like normal there's one line where he like stumbles over it and like corrects himself and they left it in <laughs> for some reason it, it you know it just shows him he's human I just don't need it like it's an 81 it's an 81 minute movie get the lines right and so they're convinced he's got a gun somewhere uh because obviously they know that the pimp is dead there's a body in the street it's kind of chaotic for a bit there but they're convinced this is likely a an attempted suicide by cop scenario because he won't mm. tell him who's on the phone. He keeps telling him it's his psychiatrist. And again, this keeps prompting <sighs> Forrest Whitaker's confessions about how his marriage didn't work out and how he's seeing a therapist to get through it. I wish I had gone to a therapist sooner. <laughs> it's like, okay. okay. He just Shut keeps up. bringing up. Care. And, and, and it's funny because Kiefer Sutherland's voice in the background is like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, yeah, I ne- this movie is constantly revealing its own faults. Well, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't know how he would even hear Forrest Whitaker because yeah, I don't understand he's, his only line of, of I, I guess, audio would be the phone inside the booth or the bug that he's placed inside the booth. So maybe he's getting some audio from that, I guess. Which, by the way, this is where they try and get around very lazily one of their own plot holes, which is that Colin Farrell has a cell phone, at least one cell phone he has. And like he tries to like call nine one one, and that's when he shoots his ear off because he's you know he could hear the cop on the other line of the cell phone that Colin Farrell yeah. had, which is weird. Yep. Um, deception, deception. Just because you're one of the lucky three million New Yorkers with a cell phone doesn't mean you can use it, Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But apparently, this was before texting too. I mean, there's just it is a flip phone. Yeah, but my flip phone was you could text on it yeah yeah exactly so i don't know why he's not there was a lot of plot holes in it that revolve a lot around that second cell phone that he has or his cell phone that he has in his pocket uh, during you know captain ramey's attempts to try and relate to Stu regarding his therapy uh while on the phone because uh you know Kiefer sutherland tries to fuck with him as well he's like ask him <laughs> like he forces Stu basically to like ask him if it's because he couldn't get an erection or please his wife is that why she left so he does and dude Forrest Whitaker looks so sad to be asked these questions I know, like... <laughs> oh fuck they got me <laughs> I know this was the most uncomfortable well not the most but it's probably like the cringiest part of the movie just like uh he could have made him do he could like i would rather watch him confess to his wife that he was cheating on her like seven times rather than watch him tell forrest whitaker that he couldn't get an erection one more time (laughs) to watch colin farrell cuck forrest yeah exactly it's awful yeah it's so sad ah man and and forrest whitaker's relationship with whoever this other fucking cop is like there's the cop who's like his right-hand man who's helping him out, you know, with all the orders and whatnot. And then there's the other cop who just keeps yelling at him for fucking up after every... Like, he's just screaming every line of dialogue, like, when are you going to let me take over all this bullshit? And why? he's just begging him to, like, keep it cool, man. Keep it cool. I don't, I don't know why he's so anti-Forrest Whitaker. I don't Again, know why this he... guy's even in the movie at all. He's the hostage negotiator, obviously, but, like... yeah. And he's the hot-headed, you know, uh, Ray Liotta character from John Q. Basically, we yeah. got a John Q on our Yeah, it was, it was John Q. 
So check out Kelly our John Q on- episode, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but check out our John Q episode. So Kelly finally arrives on scene while police begin mobilizing snipers of their own uh, to get set up in uh, some of the nearby buildings. So she's given the megaphone. She tries to talk Stu at the booth, but he comes up with this kind of dumb scenario, which again, he, if, if you already know this guy knows this much about you, he probably knows what Kelly looks like. And so this whole stupid charade of being like, that's not my wife. Um, that's an actress. Beg- yeah, that's an actress I used to bang or whatever. He begs the police to take her away. And there's this, ah, gosh, cocking the gun again. It's every 10 minutes he's ejecting ammo. But yeah. there's a bit in here where uh, it really made my skin call- crawl. When Kiefer Sutherland's kind of leering about Pam and kind of going into this whole thing about how you can have sex with women in your mind and they can't do anything about it. Uh, it's yeah. ca- He calls it the perfect violation. And I thought that was yeah, that wow. Was weird. Yeah, that was that that was spine tingling. That's not something you should write in your movie. Oof. Yeah, that that was dark. That was dark. But Stu is finally forced to tell Kelly in front of everyone that he had been simply calling a woman because he wanted to sleep with her. Now, mind you, he did not sleep with her, but he wanted to sleep but with he her. Wanted and then, to. And then because he can't, he said again, he says, I, I wanted to sleep with her. And the keeper Sutherland's like, No, tell her you wanted to fuck her say it <laughs> say it and it's just so like yeah i wanted to fuck her and everyone's like oh man this is so awkward it's like okay and his wife just turns around she's <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm i'm not mad like whatever you did it's okay like uh. yeah this wife is like super forgiving of him by the way she like she like does not even remotely care a little bit that this happened I love later on when uh, Pam finally gets there and he like tries to introduce them to each other yeah. from the that's middle Pam, of the fucking That's Pam. That's my wife. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, that is the girl Pam. that I want to sleep with. Like, Pam, yeah, what? Kelly. <laughs> Pam, Kelly. Maybe. I don't know if you guys want to get together later. Maybe. I don't know. He's still angling for a threesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bad time to do this. <laughs> oh, shit. So. Uh, Stu, at this point, he tells the caller, you know, if you're planning on killing me, there's really no other way that you can incriminate me. I don't have anything in here that shows that I killed that guy. We find out that the caller, you know, planted a handgun in the top of the phone booth. And this is when Pam arrives. So Pam gets there. The caller threatens he's going to kill one of them. He forces Stu, you got to choose which one lives, Kelly or Pam. So using his cell phone at this point, he calls Kelly uh so that the cops sort of have a bug of sorts in the phone booth and that's when they realize we've got ourselves a sniper situation yep plus i think forrest whitaker also saw the red dot on uh kelly oh that's right yeah and there's there's a lot of talking in codes and whatnot uh i can't remember the the phrase keep i'm sorry forrest whitaker keeps using to like let him know like oh don't worry we know what's going on dude by the way, this gun stashed away in the phone booth bit is probably the most clever bit of screenwriting so far in this movie because that the whole time I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, he doesn't have a gun on him. He doesn't have a gun on him. He doesn't have a gun on him. And then he gives him the gun and I'm like, oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's they a that little okay. diabolical yeah. twist. I like sure. it. It is one of those things where once you know 
it's there and you're looking for it. There are so many shots where that the gun is clearly not in the top of the phone booth. And then maybe <laughs> six shots before they introduce it, it's like, oh, wait, is that a gun? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But either way, it is a clever bit of screenwriting that at least keeps things going. And is, is again, this movie, it's like a fucking raft filled with holes where they're literally putting gum on each hole mm-hmm. as it's just about to sink. You're like, I don't know if this holds together, man. Oh, okay. We're still it's floating. Liter- okay. It's literally just like so close on <laughs> like you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Yeah. But it's so close to just falling apart every single time and they're just like, No, just kidding, there's this part. <laughs> yeah, hey, like, okay. We okay got and you. you're like, Okay, you've got me for another ten minutes movie. Yeah, let's keep going, dude. Yeah. So the caller finally gives him his sort of last ultimatum. You either kill yourself or you confess everything. Those are your two options. And if you don't do either, I will kill Kelly or Pam or both of them. So I don't know. Make your choice. So Colin Farrell then delivers this basically I'm a piece of shit speech. I love it. (laughs) It's a really good moment. Again, he's like really showing off his, you know, acting chops. He's crying every other thing and, you know, whimpering and shit and goes on and on about how he's a fake piece of shit and. Uh, he, you know, anyone who he doesn't see any sort of value or helping him, he just does not uh, care for in any way. And it is, it's just a very brave or honest portrayal of someone trying to be honest in a, in a situation like that. I mean, yeah, the fact that you have to hold him at gunpoint to get it out of him. Like, <laughs> exactly, I don't, th- yeah. I still don't think he's the hero, you know? No, yeah, he's still a piece of shit. And I think it's a good way of showing that, like. Granted, he's not a pedophile, so I still don't know why he's here, but. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, a good way to try to humanize him without necessarily, like, changing his character, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it is him recognizing he is a piece of shit, but it's still, yeah. you know, well, it doesn't seem like it's a false arc or anything. Yeah, but that's that's the shitty paradox of this movie, too, in general, is that just, you know, you you establish that this killer has been killing these people who are really, really bad you can't really make Colin Farrell's character as bad as those people without losing all likability. So sure. you just have to make him like somewhat of a less shitty person. And it just, I don't know if it really like works for the movie because it's like, well, why would he even be put in this situation then? There's so many assholes in New York city. Yeah. Why would he be singling out this guy? So I, I think they just kind of like wrote themselves into a little bit of a corner there. With, yeah. In terms of character development. Sure. And I, I think Larry Larry Cohen goes about movies usually, like his old 80s shit is just like, what's the cheapest way we can shoot a movie? And so yeah. I feel like he had this high concept, sh- planned to shoot it all in this phone booth, literally. I, I'm kind of glad that we don't get the sort of Saw investigation side of this where you would follow Kiefer Sutherland, who after he's bugged the phone booth, has like learned more about Colin Farrell, because that's how he describes it. Like Then I start following the people, which he did to the pedophile, the inside trader. You know, yeah. maybe in a lesser movie or just a different flavor of movie, you would get that whole side of it where he's stalking him and, like, learns more about his life. This is all just contained to this. And so you kind of got to just go along with, all right, this is all they're giving him for character development. And, like, he's selling it. I think Colin Farrell at least has given a, a good enough performance in here that you, you kind of buy it. Yeah, I would say everybody is doing about the best they could. I just think that this movie... I just think the way they were going about it, I think there were just some inevitable plot holes in it that they couldn't really get around. And maybe, you know, given it more thought, maybe you could write it in or you change a couple of things here or there. You can maybe get rid of them. So you just it's its one of those things where you just kind of have to, like, grind your teeth and just be like, OK, OK, whatever. Like, just get to the end of the movie. Uh, but, yeah, we are pretty much there. This is 
the, pretty much the climax of the movie, I realized that this is it where really he, um, I guess this provides enough of a distraction so that the police can sort of make some headway. They believe they found the location of where the sniper is. And Stu warns the caller, hey, police have found you. They're on their way. They're coming up the fucking doors, the steps right now. Idiot. Which, yeah, why he would do this is... I do like his whole, you know, like he grabs the gun because he's like, all right, well, if some the police are coming to kill me, I'm taking Kelly or Pam now. I'll take Kelly. And so he gets about to shoot her or whatever. And then, yeah, he gets out of there and take me, screaming in the middle of the street or whatever. It's, you know, classic, mm-hmm. <laughs> classic cheese. I love it. And that's when the police sort of uh, fire at Stu, right? He gets shot, yeah. but it's it's a rubber bullet, thankfully. Which yeah. I think we saw them load rubber bullets into the gun at one point too. Just it, it must have just tested probably poorly probably in a picture in picture. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a cutaway. I remember, but um, oh, okay, okay, because I remember being like, that's kind of a weird thing to show it, and then like it was like, oh, it must have been a rubber bullet, um, because it. They it must have just tested poorly with audience. We were just like, we shot you with the rubber bullet, and they're like, wait, when that fucking happened? So they added like a cutaway of a <laughs> cop adding rubber bullets to a shotgun. Um, SWAT team breaks into the room that they believe the caller was in, and it seems that that's where he was. There's a sniper rifle set up and everything. Um, there's a guy who's dead on the floor. It looked like he slit his own throat, and. At first, and I do remember the very first time I saw this movie being like, just feeling such an underwhelming sense of like, what the fuck? Like, this is how it ends? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, wow. I mean, like, I guess I guess I see what you're going for, where it's like, it's just a faceless killer and it doesn't really matter. And then it just keeps sinking in like, man, that seemed like all for a waste. And then, uh, yeah, as the police, you know, bring the body down, Stu regains consciousness um stewie like reunites with kelly they seem again she seems kelly super even forgiving yeah, kelly even says like i don't really want to talk about any of those things <laughs> but like, but does what? want to see the face of this murderer they're like oh no ma'am you don't want to see this she's like oh i want to see it they pull it back and oh, then fucking who what a reveal it's the pizza delivery guy from the beginning huh which brandon i don't know how you felt about this it was very like i don't know if they thought they were going to fool audiences with this, because like Keith Sutherland's a pretty famous voice voice and person. Like, like, I don't know if they were trying to, (laughs) to trick people with someone who they had already seen. Right. I almost think that that kind of is the moment that it lets the audience in like, Oh shit, this guy's still alive because clearly it wasn't that guy. Yeah. That was my question for you. Was it like letting the audience know that the wrong person died or were they, thinking audiences were going to be stupid enough to think it was the pizza guy right right because then we get of course you know the coda we get the classic action thriller ending the protagonist back of the ambulance we get you know basically might as well just start jibbing up but uh that's when the real caller passes by the few glances we get of Kiefer sutherland as he's mm-hmm. just sort of standing at the outside of the uh, ambulance there like grabs his says something like nice shoes and then basically tells him hey uh, I hope your newfound honesty does uh, last, you know, because if it doesn't, I will return. He does the whole, you know, you don't have to thank me. No one ever does. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you do kill them, though. So. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole brothel of prostitutes without a pimp now. And I know. And he walks uh, away with a case that I assume his sniper rifle goes in, but he yes. left it upstairs. Yeah. An, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. An empty but he, or, he left or, it upstairs. Maybe that was an all like a whole setup entirely already like done before, and he was shooting from a different location altogether. That's possible. You know, I'd buy that too. 
Yeah, that's possible. Uh, but what's hilarious, what I don't buy, is him walking right through the middle of this fucking active crime scene. Yeah. To, to the phone booth with a sniper rifle case in his hand with police. Not a yep. question. Everywhere. Right. Everywhere. Not only that, he walked right up to the ambulance of someone who was just being held hostage for like several hours. They wouldn't <laughs> yeah. just let you walk up to that ambulance. They wouldn't just leave that ambulance door open. Then. <laughs> no police in sight. It's crazy. You can't like, I don't think a single cop in the world would presume that the situation was over and we shouldn't be like protecting this. <laughs> hostage <laughs> like it's huh. just silly and it's silly it's a movie i guess you know, yeah it ends with his um, silly. uh recall you know uh, line from the beginning a ringing phone has to be answered doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it and then of course we zoom back into we that zoom. phone and then out of space somehow out into the satellites back. yep Ooh. we do the the beginning we do the beginning scene backwards you better believe it directed by joel schumacher yeah and the only question i'm left with is does forrest whitaker get back with his wife no <laughs> not a not a oh, chance shit shit well that was uh but he's a good cop that was phone booth zach yeah that was phone booth i mean yeah kind of a honestly just a quick in and out saturday afternoon fucking thriller something like a paperback mm-hmm. novel come to life it's efficient knows what it is doesn't strive to be anything more than that really. yeah i you know i, I guess i can go first or whatever yeah. <laughs> so i yeah i i was actually kind of expecting this to be maybe better than i assumed it was going to be you know what i mean like i just kind of thought like i was going to be pleasantly surprised with this movie which brandon you know me I'm not that optimistic about any of the movies we watch. It's weird that I thought that. And you know what? I wasn't disappointed. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I I agree. I, you know, it it hit me at one point, but I was like, man, I'm three quarters of the way through this movie and I'm like, I'm involved. Like, I really like, I want to know what's going to happen next. I like, I i'm not constantly checking the time code to see how much time is left i like i was very much enjoying the movie despite its shortcomings and there are quite a few um like we and we brought them all up the plot is um passable at best i mean i mean like it's it it is it is full of all these like, but wait, when this happened, when this happened, why didn't, why wouldn't they do this? Blah, 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 blah. There's so, so much of that. But you do have to give them credit for making an 81 minute thriller as thrilling as it was in a fucking phone booth. I mean, it is good. It's just good filmmaking. It's good pace. It's the everything was acted pretty well, minus a few instances of. A couple of the other characters who I didn't think were that great, and Forrest Whitaker forgetting his lines. <laughs> but um, other than that, man, I you know I thought it was good. Um, if it was any longer than this brief eighty-one minutes, I don't think I'd enjoy it. I this movie clearly does very well in a short form. It'd make a really good short film, like a half-hour thriller. I think it'd be really good. Um, but as it stands, it was very good. Not a lot you can do about some of the problems with it. Um, and unfortunately it has dated itself (laughs) quite a bit. Um, because like now you would just text your way out of this. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm imagining what, 
I mean, even kids from this younger generation would be like, what is it called? It's called a phone booth? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there there are no, like, working phone booths. There might be one or two, but yeah, for the most rare. part, there's very rarely a working phone booth. So that concept is gone. Um, you know, Colin Farrell, like, could have been wearing AirPods and this whole thing would have gone <laughs> away. Like, it's just, you know... It's dated itself, so you really do have to like kind of put yourself into it. But honestly, I think it's really good. It's not the best movie we've ever seen, but if you if you want to enjoy it, if if it was a movie that you really liked back when it came out, you can absolutely find enjoyment out of it. I think it still holds up very very well. I I'll give it a seventy. I, it was a seventy two on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll give it a seventy. I, I I think there's a lot of room for improvement, but at the same time, man, it's you know. That's a nice, quick movie to watch, and I wholly recommend it. Yeah, similarly, how you kept saying like you got like three quarters of the way through, or whatever, or two thirds. It's it's like you keep waiting for it to make that move that's gonna tank it. Like you keep waiting for it yeah. to like something's gonna happen, or I'm gonna fucking hate this movie. And again, they get close to like <laughs> torpedoing it several times, but they just again skirt just enough by that you're like, all right, this is just going down smooth. And that's honestly like the best I can say about it. It. You know, what, it doesn't hit those heights that I think had this movie been made by Hitchcock back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. would have been a completely different movie. But you take that Hitchcock high concept and you give it to Joel Schumacher. And, yeah, you're going to get this weird, sleazy, fucking vulgar, um, over the top, <laughs> um, you know, crime thriller. And I think it kind of works. I think, yeah, Colin Farrell's pretty good in it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a decent thriller. It, it does have the dating issue. And I do think that... Uh, yeah, I think a few more passes at the script, you really could have had something special here. But but in terms of one location movies, yeah, I think it's like this. Uh, Buried comes to mind. I like like the Hateful Eight over the last like there haven't mm-hmm. been too many of these great one location settings. I was actually thinking, even though there is a part of it that takes place in a different part of the movie, but um, I was thinking of Dog Day Afternoon reminds me a lot of this movie too. Oh sure, yeah, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. Yep, yep. But yeah, I think of those movies, it's a solid one. And yeah, you could do so much worse than this. And because its runtime is really working in its favor. And I do think Kiefer Sutherland uh, has some fun with this movie. Like, it's a good voice performance anyway. So yeah, I'm going to match it, dude. I think, yeah, 65-70, definitely a a fresh rated movie and worth your time. If you haven't seen it in a while, and if you've never seen it, yeah, I'd I'd say it definitely holds up in 2021. Yeah, 100%. Although I would feel bad if you had never seen it and you just listen to this podcast. Before we move on to what we're doing, I just want to throw this out there. Jordan Peele's phone booth. <laughs> good movie. Noise. Yeah. Noise. Yeah. Good movie, I think. Anyway. It was just uh, um it just kind of like if if you were to take like some of that like really sus- suspenseful like tension i think that would have been oh sure or honestly this could make like a a nice if you update the setting and the technology it could make like a nice black mirror episode too yeah 100 percent. it almost is yeah yeah (laughs) i mean back then (laughs) cell phones were weird (laughs) uh yeah before we get into next week's uh release i mean zach we haven't touched on what we've been watching for the past like five six months but was there anything over those last few months that you were either really into or really not into it's been a lot of things, um, so I won't. I'll, I'll just recommend one thing that I'm yeah. currently watching right now, um, and all three seasons of it are on HBO. I cannot recommend this enough, dude. The Leftovers on HBO. I, you know, it's a show that I've been sitting on for years. Okay, and I remember thinking at the time I was like, I think I saw the first episode. I was like, that's interesting. And then, like, for whatever reason, maybe I was just busy, didn't go back and watch the second episode, started that show 
restarted that show a couple weeks ago. Man, it is insane. It's such good television. I can't believe that it got canceled after three seasons. It just, it's unbelievable. It's so good. Mm. It's such a good mystery. It's like confusing, great drama. It's incredible. If you are looking for a new show, you have to watch The Leftovers. It's so good. Uh, I've been meaning to ask if you had seen any or all of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I watched the entire Zack Snyder's Justice League. And what what were your thoughts, Zack? Which, by the way, I didn't watch the original Justice League. <laughs> I did watch <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, that movie is far too long, did not need to be in that aspect ratio, and <laughs> it's the most Snyder thing I've ever seen. Just... It first of all ridiculous that the fast the flash every scene that the flash is in is in slow motion super annoying <laughs> um, and it's just it's all just slow motion CGI I man if I were to give that movie a fucking rating I'd probably give it a thirty five it stop trying to fucking do weird shit <laughs> with the DC man just stop it I don't know it, it I could see it getting better but man I I. I fully am on board with taking things away from Zack Snyder, but you cannot give it to Joss Whedon either. So, Ugh, gosh, yeah, no, no. So just pick a newcomer, pick anybody else, man, except for comic book nerds. You just can't give them these movies. <laughs> and what about? Uh, did you see uh, Godzilla versus Kong? I watched half of that movie. And... <laughs> that about. Why are you all, picking I... these movies that you know I hate? You know I watched. <laughs> I like watched out of curiosity because you'd know I'd hate them. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the ones I will recommend that I saw uh, fairly recently, just two, is that the uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. It's a Netflix mm-hmm. animated movie by the guys who did the Lego Movie and uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, and it's yeah. got that fucking crazy, weird animation style. Just a super fun story. Danny McBride is the dad in it, so I, I fucking love Danny McBride and everything. Um, I do. Yeah, really solid animated movie, and I will say that the uh, fuck, what was it called? Oh, Bad Trip. The Eric Andre. I watched that. That's great. That's so, so stupid. Good. So Eric Andre is so funny, man. He's uh, so good. Yeah, and uh, right after we're done recording this, Zach, I think I'll be watching Zack Snyder's uh, Army of the Dead, some zombie sty- uh, tigers. You fucking would be. <laughs> All two and a half hours or some shit of it. Oh, you man. would. You would watch that movie. Uh, shit. I still got to see Spiral, dude. Chris Rock. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Speaking of no thanks, um, <laughs> I'm assuming you're done now. If not, yeah. I'm cutting you off. Yeah, go for but it. But speaking of no thanks, uh, kind of ties into uh, what we're doing next week, Brandon. Um, we, of course, have impeccable timing because I just saw right before recording that the new Mortal Kombat movie is being taken off at midnight <laughs> Pacific oh, time shit. tonight That's right. on HBO. So you will not be able to watch the new Mortal Kombat movie if you haven't seen it yet, unless maybe you go to a theater that's running late. Uh, But in celebration of that movie, we are going back in time and watching the original Mortal Kombat movie. Jesus Christ, 1995. Is this our first video game movie? I think so. I think um, it's like the ver- the first one. Wow. I mean, the first we've done plenty of movies that had games based off of them, but I think this yeah. is the first one we've watched based off a video game. Um, they historically have such a good run. Always good. Yeah, always. Yeah, good. they're always good. They're never bad. 
I haven't seen a bad one. Do <laughs> 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 doom? Um, oh man, I just saw Monster Hunter this weird. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, they're knocking them out of the park. This one was by Paul W. Anderson, not Paul Thomas Anderson, the other guy mm-hmm. who yeah. did uh, the Resident Evil movies. So I got to be honest, Zach. I will always, for the rest of my life, remember the theme song from Mortal Kombat that played in the movie many times. I think yeah. several times, and also uh, has a has wait. a tournament. Has a tournament, unlike the yep. new film. Has a tournament. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't remember almost anything about this movie. Like I'm going in almost cold turkey. I think the last time I watched this movie was in college, um, and I loved it then. I it is a rare B movie that I loved and i hope that i when i go back and watch it objectively brandon yeah that i will like it some more um this movie is fucking wild though please watch it and join us next week it's going to be fun and we'll give you some thoughts on the new mortal Kombat movie yeah which i do believe this original and it's even worse sequel are still airing are still streaming rather on HBO yeah i believe right so yeah yeah i believe so so yeah check that out before the next episode drops and uh honestly just want to extend a really warm thank you like just thanks mm-hmm. for sticking with us always being uh, on top of us and letting us know that you'd like some more episodes so it just gives us some uh you know much needed encouragement yeah uh, inspiration yeah you know what i mean exactly encouragement to get back into it so i'm glad we are able to keep going with it glad we got this episode out and we can mm-hmm. have some uh, more down the pipe so yeah and if you want to keep up with the show feel free to check us out there on instagram or facebook we're on twitter um, and if you have any sort of recommendations, shoot them over to the email address that's uh, nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. And if there's anything that you want specifically beyond movie recommendations, if there's content that you'd like to see us start covering, if there's anything extra that we could do for you guys, we'd love to start getting into some extra stuff, maybe starting a Patreon. Again, yeah. just the more people we get to listen to the show and the more things that we get to do, the more encouraged we are to do it. So if you want stuff, let us know and we're going to make it happen. Yeah. And easily, honestly, the best way you can help us grow our audience is just by uh, rating us on wherever you do download us. Give us a good review. It's always helps. And also just tell your friends, uh, people you know about the show. Let them know it exists. Uh, it's a great help to us. And you know, you could also introduce someone to a, a, a fairly shitty show that they might enjoy while they're taking a shit or a long drive or something. Yeah. Uh, don't listen to us when you're taking a shit. please. <laughs> if, hey, if you're taking a shit right now, stop. Stop. Suck like, it back in. Yeah. Pull finish your pants the show. Up. Yep. Don't even wipe. Come back. Don't wipe until you finish the show. It's like an yeah. you know an incentive to finish the show sooner because you're walking yeah. around with a, a poopy butthole. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to do that. <laughs> We're back. Yeah, we got right to the end before getting real stupid. Uh, yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, uh, feel free to check us out on any of those uh, social media sites and all that good shit. Uh, and uh, thanks for sticking with us. Bye. Get Bye. vaccinated. Wash your hands. Right now. <laughs>